Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Kules. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in the Spanish capital. And in today's episode, journalist Ben Hayward joins me as we talk La Liga and the latest from Barcelona. Before we get into that conversation, a quick word from our sponsor, NordVPN. Are you tired of slow internet speeds and worrying about your online security? Well, we have the solution for you. Introducing NordVPN, the fastest VPN on the planet. With over 5,400 servers worldwide and the game-changing NordLynx protocol, you can stay safe online without sacrificing speed. Imagine being able to stream your favorite shows and movies without buffering or experiencing lag. With NordVPN, that's a reality. Plus, you can browse the web with peace of mind, knowing that your data and personal information is protected. But wait, there's more. To celebrate their 11th birthday, NordVPN is offering an additional gift for all new users. That's right, you get to enjoy lightning fast speeds and complete online security, plus an extra special birthday gift. So visit NordVPN.com slash Barca. And if you're still not convinced, NordVPN offers a 30-day money-back guarantee. So there's no risk in trying it out. Upgrade your online experience today and join the millions of satisfied users who trust NordVPN for their internet security needs. Visit nordvpn.com slash Barca to learn more and take advantage of this limited time offer. Don't wait any longer to stay protected and connected with the fastest VPN on the planet. All right, friend of the show, Ben Hayward, joins me as we're going to talk a little La Liga and get his perspective as I always enjoy speaking football with him. Ben, thanks for joining me. Bonjour. Bonjour, Gabriel. Yeah, I'm in Paris, uh, hence the bonjour. Uh, good to be here. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, doing well. My advice, as you are in Paris, eat all the croissants because that is my favorite pastime to do in Paris for sure. So we have uh, we have some things to go over. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, we kind of had a quick La Liga preview. And I think we should, uh, you know, pat ourselves on the shoulders here because we both kind of predicted Gattuso not making it through the end of the season. And my question to you is, you know, what's going on with Valencia? Because I mentioned this in our earlier episode that when Valencia are top, you know, in the top five, top six, I think it makes La Liga so much more interesting. But what is going on in Valencia? Gattuso gets fired. They bring in another coach and they're they're free falling, essentially. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, credit to us for predicting it. But <laughs> I think anybody could have predicted it, really. I mean, that combination of the fiery Gattuso uh, working with Peter Lim and the, the notorious Valencia board, just 
so difficult to work with. And uh, yeah, I think it's eight coaches they've had since Peter Lim has been in charge. And that's not counting, you know, uh, Voro, <laughs> who comes in every time as the, the firefighter, the, uh, the caretaker coach. I think it's five times we've had Voro uh, just since Peter Lim has been in charge. And wow. eight times Voro has been caretaker in total. It's just unbelievable. You know, it's such a shame because, as you say, you know, Valencia are a, a, a massive club. They should be up there with uh, Atletico Madrid vying for that, um, you know, slot of uh, the El Tercer Grande, you know, after Madrid and Barca, the, the, the third biggest team in Spain. Uh, but obviously with the ownership, there are big problems. You know, uh, we've seen it with the previous coaches who've, who've come and gone. You know, Marcelino had done a great job, got them into the Champions League, uh, won the Copa del Rey, which they didn't even seem to care about. Um, and, you know, he, you know, the next season he was out. And Bordalas, let's remember that last year, Valencia got to the final of the Copa del Rey and, you know, could easily have won it. And then Bordalas was gone. It's just chaos. And, um, you know, I wouldn't want to work with those owners. And until uh, really the Peter Lim... And, and his people leave the club, I don't see how it's going to improve. Because in the end, Gattuso was desperate to leave, and he was the one who wanted out. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, with the Marcelino era, that seems like a lifetime ago, because he had them playing pretty well and competing, like you said, Copa del Rey. But like him, he just got fed up with the board because they eventually just sold his players as well and didn't bring anyone in. And I just think it's funny because the board of, you know, they bring out the lady, I think it's his wife or sister or daughter. I forget who it is. And she gets rolled out there and she basically says, we're still committed to winning. And it's kind of like, I don't know if you know what you're doing out here in Valencia. Well, that's right. And it's been such a long time now. And, you know, the, the same mistakes keep being made over and over and over again. You have to remember that when Peter Lim took over at Valencia, uh, you know, he was given almost a hero's welcome by the fans. They thought, finally, we've got, you know, some investment. We're we're back in the big time. And, um, you know, at the beginning, there was a lot of hope. And then, obviously, uh, there were brief moments there under uh, Nuno Espirito Santo. They got to the Champions League. Uh, then he was out. But with Marcelino, they did very, very well, as I said, in qualifying for the Champions League, winning that Copa del Rey. And it was like, well, suddenly... Uh, you know, Valencia are back. They have an identity. They have a, a coach. Everyone seems to be roaring in the in the same direction. But it wasn't very long until it all went wrong, and, and it hasn't been right since. So uh, I think managers now, coaches will be very wary of going to that club. Obviously, it's it's still a great club, but uh, you know, to work under those conditions, um, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to find the right guy and support him and stick with him that's the yeah that's the key yeah exactly it's one thing just to bring him in but yeah just to stick with them let's pivot to uh real madrid obviously in your sub stack you just wrote about carlo ancelotti's second year stints at clubs and i'm curious you know it's it's funny because barcelona right now are you know 50 points or eight points ahead of madrid so that is getting a lot of the attention right now but madrid are still right there i know eight points seems daunting for madrid fans but what is this to this Carlo Ancelotti second year? Do you believe that that's essentially what is happening this season? There's definitely something in it. Um, if you, but it's circumstantial too. I mean, first of all, Ancelotti is a great coach. You know, he's won uh, one obviously yeah, Champions Leagues, Cups, leagues, all over everywhere he's been. But my argument has always been that he's not really a league coach. 
Now, listen, he did become last season in winning the league with Real Madrid, the first coach uh, in history to win uh, the top five European leagues. Obviously, uh, La Liga, Premier League, uh, Bundesliga, Liga, and Serie A. So that, you know, in itself is a, is a great achievement. So I'm saying he's not a league coach and he has that record. <laughs> it sounds strange, but if you look close, a, a little bit more closely, you know, he's had a very long uh, coaching career, Ancelotti, with that incredible AC Milan team that he had, you know, which was practically a, a, a world 11, you know, yeah. he had and Pilo, he had Shevchenko, he had, you know, Maldini, um, every uh, position, you know, was a, a world-class player, Kaká, of course. Uh, that team only won uh, one Italian league title. And all right, they've won a couple of Champions Leagues and obviously got to another final as well. But to only win one league title, I felt was something of an underachievement. He then won a league at Chelsea. Uh, he won at Bayern and he won at PSG. But Bayern and PSG are basically gimmies, aren't they, in terms of league titles? And, you know, Real Madrid last year, yeah, it was good. But but Barcelona were in chaos, weren't they? Certainly for the first half of that season. And it was too much for for Xavi to turn around. I was looking at his league um, points totals and the highest that he, in any of those five uh, league wins, the highest points total that he had recorded was 89 points. Okay. So uh, that suggests to me that uh, he, Real Madrid are not going to come back uh, and win La Liga this season. I know there's a long way to go. Anything can happen. But if Barcelona stay on course uh, as they are, as they have been, for that 100 points or 90 plus points, uh, I think we can see that probably, uh, you know, Ancelotti's not going to be able to to get Madrid to that level. If Barcelona were to have a big uh, dip in form, a massive injury crisis or whatever, and drop off for some reason down to, say, 80 points, then Real Madrid have a chance. But I don't think, looking back over Ancelotti's coaching career, I don't think we're going to see them go on this incredible run now to get 100 points because that's just not what he does. That's not the kind of um, intensity that he brings, um, which is why I suppose most of his success has been in the in the kind of knockout competitions where his Champions League record is, is so great. Uh, but it's it's not just him, obviously. It's a number of factors. Real Madrid have had injuries this season. You know, Benzema is absolutely huge for him. And when he's not there, they don't really have an alternative. I mean, we've been seeing Mariano playing of late. You know, that's not what Real Madrid fans want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, as a backup and even you know even when Mariano isn't playing obviously he's not first choice but you've got you know Asensio blowing hot and cold missing a penalty in, in Mallorca uh, not really giving everything in training uh, but, you know according to reports um, Vinicius Junior who is is wonderful but he's being absolutely targeted not just by racist fans but also by uh, some very brutal uh, physical roughhouse defending as well so um you know, I feel like uh, it, it's past the ball to Vinicius at the moment and wait for something to happen. But, uh, you know, he can't do everything on his own. And then, you know, you got Modric and, and Kroos coming to the end uh, of their careers and playing a little bit less. Ancelotti is having to manage that transition, uh, which is difficult. And of course, Casemiro is no longer there either. Uh, Defence. It, it would be all right if the defence was working like Barcelona's is working, but it's not. It's uh, you know it's, they're shaky at the back, uh, and Courtois is now injured. So there's there's all sorts of problems going on at Real Madrid, but part of it is Ancelotti as well. 
Yeah, I think also too, like there's been a lot of talk here about, you know, especially with Madrid right now, what they're going through, but also Barcelona in a sense as well. Is when these coaches come, they have such a short shelf life. You know, they're looking to win immediately that it's really hard for them to plan for the future with youngsters. And I think that's where Madrid is finding that issue right now with maybe they didn't plan for this transition to happen immediately this season because, you know, obviously we thought Benzema was going to be healthier. I thought Vinicius was going to score more goals and be more consistent. But we're starting to see this idea of team building and this transition from your stars. Now, Barcelona have been lucky with what what has come through the pipeline. But again, it's this, you know, it's this interesting uh, concept that with these coaches that come in, especially at Barcelona Madrid, there are such high profile jobs, so much pressure to win immediately that they're not looking to plan for players from the Cantera to come, you know, for five years, you know? And so I think Ancelotti fits that bill. And maybe that's kind of the issue that he's going through because I mean, how much longer does he really want to coach? I mean, he's already kind of at the end of his coaching career. You know, I feel like he's kind of just babysitting this team while Madrid are starting to maybe think of future plans of who's going to coach the team maybe next season or the next two seasons. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, in in one way, I feel like they've planned quite well because they brought in, you know, Camavinga, who is the, the midfielder of the, of the future. And you could say the same thing about, about Germany. Those two, um, you know, were kind of the hottest uh, talents in Europe in, in the midfield area. And then you've got Valverde, who's a very good young player. Then, obviously, Vinicius and, and Rodrigo. Um, you know, a couple of others in defence, uh, Militao. But... Uh, no one to replace Benzema, which is is key because um, you know scoring goals is is just so important. And um, so I think the the play, uh, you know, a, a big part of that core uh, for the transition is there. I think by this point, obviously, you know, Florentino had hoped to have Mbappe or or or, or someone like that um, at the club. To, uh, to be leading the transition. You know, imagine if Mbappé had signed last summer as he was expected. Uh, I guess they wouldn't be having these problems, but the fact is he didn't. And in terms of a coach, you're absolutely right about what you say. But I feel like uh, Real Madrid don't have the patience to bring in a coach uh, to, to build up a, a young team and, and that transition because they want results right now. I mean, we saw when Lopetegui was took over all right it, it was disastrous but he wasn't given any time and then it was back to Zidane again and there's talk of going back to Zidane even a third time this time it, it seems like that they don't want new ideas they just want someone who can come in be good with the dressing room and and lead this team uh, as opposed to a, a brand new project leading the team into the future so uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens after Ancelotti leaves and I, to be honest I will expect that to be at the end of the season. I'm going to miss his Nicorette chewing gum on the sidelines for sure. I love it so much that he just chomps on that gum for ages, man. He's uh, Yeah, he sometimes even asks the fans, doesn't he? Have you got any gum? Yeah. He's, uh, Ancelotti's a very likable guy, isn't he? Old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just feel like, you know, no matter who your team is, you know, he, he's – He's one of the good guys, definitely. For sure. And also, as my as my Roman friend pointed out, you cannot forget his like a Hall of Fame career as a player as well. So he's one of those special players that not only was a standout player, but has obviously the track record as a manager. Um, yeah, but we'll see what happens, what they do. Like you said, you know, when Real Madrid looks at this project, I think they just continue to point to the Champions League as their North Star. And yeah. again, you know, like you talked about it, and I've heard, you know, I read some other people too. It's just, you know, 
they can just focus on that now, knowing that maybe La Liga is out of their hands. And if they come close or compete in the Champions League, the fan base will be happy with that. And they still are European leaders in Champions League titles. And I think ultimately that's what fuels them. No, you're right. But, um, you know, at Real Madrid, coming close, it yeah, might yeah, be all right for, sure. for some of the fans, but it's <laughs> not all right for, for Florentino Perez. And this is what I wrote, you know, in, in that piece. You know, they can win the Club World Cup and I expect they will win it. It's not going to be enough. They might, sure. win, the, they might win the Copa del Rey, although they've got that very difficult semi-final uh, d- double matchup against Barcelona. Even that's not enough. They've got to win La Liga or they have to win the Champions League. That's just how things work. At sure. uh, otherwise, Ancelotti, for all he has done, will be out of the door and it'll be sad to see. But, um, you know, that's football as well. Barcelona and Real Madrid are very rarely at, at a high level at the same time. One of them is usually doing well, and the other one is usually in crisis. It's just yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I would say the only time close that was the Pep and Mourinho era, but yeah, you're right. There's always, you know, you're always looking at the at your neighbors across the way. Let's talk about the, I would say, the surprise team of La Liga, which is Rayo. You know, they're basically Madrid's other other workmen team, you know, down here in Madrid in the south and in, in Vallecas. Wow, they are they are pining for Europe right now, and you can't argue with the results. They're sitting fifth, thirty two points. You know they're in that gap with Sociedad and Atlético Madrid. What's going on in Vallecas? Yeah, it's such a great story, isn't it? Because uh, first of all, Rayo, I think uh, a very likable club, aren't they? And everyone loves Rayo, the the stadium, the atmosphere, um, just everything about them. When they went down. A couple of seasons ago, you feared for them. You think maybe they won't come back because there are a lot of difficulties at that club as well. If you go to the stadium, it, you know, it's falling apart. It's crumbling. And then, uh, you know, the the fans um, have had this long-running campaign to oust uh, the president, Ramon Preza, uh, for his handling and, and running of the club. Um, it's just disastrous what's going on behind the scenes. And yet, you know, we've been talking about Valencia and how everything's going on there. It's kind of similar things happening at Rayo, and yet they're fifth in, in La Liga. And there is one uh, reason for that, and that's Andoni Raola, who I think uh, we can say is one of the most exciting coaches in Europe right now. And he's got them playing some just incredible football. And... Uh, and just it's just great to see. It's just a great great story. But and also, by the way, they have the fifth lowest um, spending budget in the whole of La Liga. So they've been doing it on a shoestring as well. And so uh, yeah, really impressive work by Iraola. And it's no surprise to me to see that other clubs have have taken notes. We saw Leeds United come in after sacking uh, Jesse Marsh, and it looks like Iraola wants to stay at least until the end of the season at Rayo. Uh, which I think is a very honourable thing as well. Yeah. Um, it will be a real shame if, if he does leave, but it, I guess it's a matter of time, be it to uh, a Premier League club or or another big team in La Liga. But he is um, he's one of the exciting coaches right now, and it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. But for the moment, uh, just enjoying the ride with Rayo. So do you think they, they make it? Do you think they can push through? Well, to Europe? Yeah. It's, there's a lot of teams, aren't there, in that... Um, yeah in that kind of area at the moment. Yeah, you got, you got about uh, six teams right now, right in that 28 to 35 point gap right now. So, I mean, it's definitely quite wide open, but I, you know, honestly, I think, you know, with the schedule now, which is kind of this weird, you know, it's like, like 
break right now, but you know, at the halfway point, I think Ryo can ride those momentum to go through. You know, I I think they have yeah. a very distinct home field advantage uh, playing in Vallecas, and I think you know if they just continue that home form, I think they can definitely get into Europa League. It's it's a hard one to predict. I mean, yeah. uh, I've been writing a, a La Liga column every week and. Every week has been, you know, there have been different teams, even in, in that top four, by the way. And I know it's um, Real Sociedad a third, now an Atletico fourth, but even that's been changing around with Betis sure. been up there and Villarreal have been up there, Atletic have been up there. Um, so it's, I imagine it will go all the way, but uh, yeah, please make that happen. <laughs> I want to see uh, European Knights at Vallecas next season. That, that would be pretty cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And like yeah. you said, they have they've had their issues, uh, especially at the beginning of the season, season with the ticketing issue and the website that you had to go in person yeah. to get that and all that. Yeah, it's it's hopefully uh, they'll see European nights. Okay, let's pivot to Barcelona, and I just have a couple questions because you know, as I always tell you, I'm I'm inside this uh, bubble, and I always like to get your perspective. And the first thing I want to talk about is the defense. You know, the defense right now has you know been posting shutout after shutout. It's if it continues this trend, it's going to be one of the best defenses, not only in La Liga, but in Europe, uh, all time type of thing. And I just, I just, it's one of those things where I see the stats and it doesn't match up with my eye test. What's going on with the defense? Is it truly performing at this high clip that the statistics are showing? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because as you say, you know, you watch Barcelona play and they do concede chances and sometimes big chances. I suppose there's no team uh, in Europe that doesn't concede chances, right? So even Atletico Madrid at their very, very best, you can't say that uh, even during that time, you know, uh, in the early years of Simeone, uh, when there was shutout after shutout, you know, there were still chances for the other team. I I, I don't know. I think it's a a combination of different factors. Obviously, the the new signings have been very impressive. Uh, Christensen, I think, is... It's really surprised a lot of people. And um, Araujo, obviously, is great. Kunde, even at right back, has has been doing it. Uh, But what's impressed me, um, I suppose, is the fact that even when there have been injuries, and uh, virtually every every player in that back line has been out at one point or another, uh, you know, they've kept on um, keeping clean sheets. Obviously, um, of the seven goals conceded, I think three of them came against Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. So there's still, I guess, a question mark against the very big teams. Best, yeah. How yeah, they yeah. can defend. Um, and we will see that tested, I think, in the Europa League against Manchester United over two, year, two legs, because obviously United have, have picked up considerably under sure. Ten Hag. But um, yeah, I, I think. With the way that Barcelona play, it's very difficult to have a solid defence like that kind of Atletico uh, back line uh, of a few years back because that's, you know, a different way of playing. It's a low sure. block and, and just conceding very few spaces and not taking any risks. That That's never going to be the way Barcelona play. Uh, so there will always be chances, but I think they've done very, 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 very well with differing personnel. Uh, Balde has been a, a revelation also. Jordi Alba's back on it, by the way, and um, and and Testegen, I think, is is a is a massive improvement. Definitely returning to his very best, hasn't he, over the last kind of season? I guess since Xavi has has come back, we've seen 
Stegen back to the the form he was at before, and that's been so important to the defensive stats as well. Yeah, I think you know from my point of view, it's just a mix of a lot of things working well together, right? So I will start with Ter Stegen. I think his shot stopping has come back. So when there are chances, you know, he's been able to stop more of those chances where maybe the last two seasons those became goals. I also think with Kunde, like the speed that him and Balde possess to recover yeah. back is, is yeah. really impressive. Obviously we knew that with Arahu already up the middle. And the other thing, like you said, Christensen, I think the most important for me is I didn't realize he had a motor that he does because, you know, defending from my point of view, a lot of the times is just getting back and running. You know, you don't ha always have to make the tackle to save goals. It's just right. putting pressure. Right. And I think that's what Barcelona is doing really well. And sure, Alba had the game last week where he had some, you know, he, he played really well. But I think overall, I'm really excited of the youth of the back line with Kunde Rahu and Balde. I mean, Balde to me looks like a veteran and he's so young. I just, the way he's able to handle out there and he does give you that attacking ability as well in the, in the, in the last third. So it's been really, I think, a combination of all things. But again, you can't argue with the, the amount of shutouts that, are, that have been being posted as of late now Barcelona head to the Ceramica this weekend and they had a coaching change obviously when I went to the Premier League and Kiki Setien came back to Villarreal and I remember reading during the World Cup that Kiki Setien kind of had a training camp with Villarreal because he took over the team I think a week before the World Cup and you know obviously with the transition they didn't have a really good performance but he has Villarreal playing some nice attacking football as of late is there anything that you kind of see via Real? I know they've had some injuries as of late, but you know, via Real is always a difficult place to play at. How do you see via Real, you know, finishing out the season under Kiki Setien? Yeah, I'm not not too sure to be honest, uh, Gabriel, because as you say, you know, completely different change of styles from Emery. Uh, I remember Sid Lowe tweeting actually um, that uh, he thought that even though Setien hadn't been linked. Uh, he thought that it would be a good fit for him to take over, even though despite the, the change of styles. And then suddenly, like a couple of days later, they appointed Setien. Uh, it was like seeing into the future. Uh, but I think the, uh, given the characteristics of the players that they had, uh, he was actually a good fit. And uh, he has them playing really nice football, as you say. But they've had a dip, haven't they? They lost against uh, Rayo. And then they lost to Elche. They were the only team to be beaten by Elche. Um, that was last weekend. And so the problem now is, you know, you have a couple of bad results. You can, uh, with so many teams in there vying for positions, as we mentioned, then you can um, you can really lose ground. And so I, I worry for them a little bit. As you say, they've had some injury problems. Um, they'll be one of the teams, obviously, vying for, for those positions. Yep. But if they, um, if they lose to Barcelona, I expect that they will, then they're going to have a lot of ground already to make up. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, right now they're sitting six with 31. And when you look at their last five, it's two losses, two wins, and a tie. So like right of the middle of inconsistency, essentially. Uh, yeah. You know, I always, you know, playing at the Ceramica, when I watch from, obviously, from the TV, I think it gives Villarreal, a, you know, an advantage because it's almost as if you're handling your opponent in a telephone booth where they cannot expand as well because of the tight corners, which I like. Uh, you know, especially when you are a team like Villarreal, you have to find these kind of, you know, advantages, you know, where you can, right? And I think that is a, a cool advantage that the Ceramica has. So it'll be interesting to see with this new formation that Xavi's kind of lined out with this kind of box 4-4-2 situation, if that is necessary and how that thrives in this kind of telephone booth of the Ceramica. Like you said, I think Barcelona pull it off. But, you know, again, I just love the way right now 
in the reset of the World Cup that they didn't have the best, you know, stylistic performances, but they were getting those three points as they could, you know, and now they're starting to put that momentum together with the style. And I think that is ultimately giving them confidence. Again, I'm looking forward to the Manchester United because, as I said in previous podcasts, I, I think they should definitely go for the Europa League. And it's going to be interesting now to see how Xavi manages those European expectations because, you know, back in October and November, you know, every Kool-Aid wanted to jump out of the window because of the, you know, another year of getting uh, eliminated in Champions League. And so we'll see what kind of expectations. Last question for me, how do you see Barcelona lining up in Europa League? Do you see them advancing through Manchester United? Do you see them going pretty far or do you see it Manchester United could knock them off? Yeah, I think either is possible. Obviously, uh, when the draw came out, I would have said uh, that Barcelona were favourites, but Manchester United have picked up considerably. I mean, much more than I would have thought in such a short time under under Ten Hag, because you know, United have had their problems for, for quite some time now. And uh, yeah, they've, they've, they've just had too many players who were, who were off it. And obviously, since Ronaldo left, um, you know, Ten Hag, I think, handled that really well. Uh, Marcus Rashford is back on back his very, very best, looking really impressive. And uh, Casemiro, obviously, has been... Uh, that's going to be an interesting one. Casemiro back against Barcelona. Um, you know, with his, his uh, lack of getting away with the big fouls. Sure, we'll see if sure, that continues. Sure. He was sent off the other day <laughs> uh, for holding a guy's throat, although it wasn't it was a bit gentle. But uh yeah, we'll see. Uh I, I think either result is possible. Yeah, it's ama- you know amazing because it's the last 32 uh, not a playoff match. And yet they have to be, at this point, the two best teams in the competition, I would think. So, yeah. So it's unfortunate, really, for both teams to have drawn each other at this point. But it's a very exciting tie. And I guess one that we'll be seeing again soon in the Champions League. So, um, yeah, really excited. And uh, I think, um, yeah, difficult one to call. It's going to be a big, uh, big test, as I said. Like in Before, La Liga, sure. you know, Barcelona have been pretty dominant. But uh, obviously... Coming, they had the, the the good game against Madrid in the Supercopa as well. Now this is is another test uh, over two legs. So, uh, I mean, a, I'm I'm just so curious to see how Xavi manages. Does he push it? Does he just go for the victory? How bad do they want to go through Europa League? I mean, how bad do they really want it? It's like all these kind of mm-hmm. questions because, you know, as of last season when they got eliminated by Frankfurt, you know, that was a whole fiasco. And you could say, yeah, Xavi just started, you know, a couple months ago. So, yeah, he's just trying to get his hand on the team. But now, you know, the way the team is rolling in La Liga, now we have to see how they stack up against, you know, quality European opponents. And I'm really curious to see how that folds out. And on top of that with Classico's sandwich as well. So, Oof, right. It's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be a tough month ahead, but really exciting. I mean, this is uh, one of the reasons why I moved here, Ben, was to have right. these fantastic football nights during the week and and be a part yeah. of it. So, so thanks for joining me as always. I know you just recently started a Substack. Where can they? Where can our listeners subscribe to your Substack? Well, it's called um, Football by Ben, and uh, it's actually um, if you go Ben Hayward dot substack dot com or if you just check out my social media uh, channels twitter i'm posting links on there so that's where you can find yeah a variety of of pieces on different european football topics it's going well so far yeah yeah i've been i've been enjoying your 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 
content. It's been coming to my mailbox really easy. So, you know, you, you're basically feeding me football content. So <laughs> I, I really enjoy it, I, especially the piece that you had about um, Bristol. Or no, is it Bristol? Yes. No. Brighton. Brighton. Sorry about Brighton. Yeah, that was really cool too as well. Sorry. Um, so yeah, thanks for joining me. Uh, enjoy your weekend and week in Paris and au revoir. Thank you very much. Look forward to speaking soon. Au revoir. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.